Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. Today, I'm joined by a great panel to discuss the topic of how can male leaders impact diversity and inclusion? Now, this is a topic that always gains a lot of interest when we discuss diversity. Um, It's really important to think about different points of view and different people within diversity and inclusion. So for me, I'm really excited about this talk and the, the great people I've got with me. So we'll start with some introductions. Um, I'm going to go around and ask who you are, what you do and what you would say your passion is. So Andreas, we'll start with you. Yes. So uh, yes, my name is uh, Andreas Persson and uh, I am um, I'm a tech recruiter and uh, and drive a lot of projects within diversity and inclusion. Uh, I run my own company and uh, a co-founder of uh, Tagro, and uh, as well, I am working a lot with Bonia News, uh, uh, which is the leading media company in the Nordic region. And uh, then I'm by the side of that, I'm a jazz musician, so I spend a lot of time playing music. Nice, I love that. It's definitely a, a different passion, but I, I imagine a fun one as well. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> And Tracy, we'll come over to you next. Yes, hello, uh, Tracy. I'm a, a senior technical product manager working within security at Cree Libby. Um, I, let's see, uh, I love listening to jazz music. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I would say right now my, my passion and hobby is around uh, sociology and forensic psychology and behavioral analysis something I've always loved and I've been picking up reading a lot of books about that so it's kind of my obsession currently when I'm not working. Nice I love that that sounds like such an interesting one I imagine it's a a deep one to get into. Yes. (laughs) Perfect and Lena will come to you. Yeah hi so uh, my name is Lena Uh, I am engineering manager at uh, Mentimeter. Um, Apart from like why I'm here is, of course, as a as a long term woman in uh, technical leadership positions, uh, I have to care about diversity. Uh, but apart from that, I um, wind down with video games and cross stitching. Nice. That is definitely um, I don't get that a lot, you know, when I ask people about the passion. <laughs> and finally, Max will come to you. Thank you. My, my name is Max Moen and I'm working as a talent acquisition manager at Hype Group. And just quickly at Hype Group, we, we work with like inspiring healthier enjoyment and, and uh, harm reduction and, and aim uh, towards like uh, smokers to convert into nicotine pouches and stuff like that instead through our e-commerce brands. And um, I am having studied a lot of um, like social psychology, I'm, I'm super interested in like challenging biases when judging character and stuff like that so i really like try to question people how they're thinking when they're judging character besides that i'm also very passionate about bowling i think that's super fun (laughs) nice now we've got some uh, very interesting quite a few commonalities as well so that's good to see um so thank you all for that 
Now, yeah, let's definitely just dive straight into the the topic because I know it's a uh, one that I imagine we could speak about forever. Um, so we're gonna go around and kind of discuss the subtopics or questions that we've all prepared. Um, and then, yeah, if you kind of give us an overview of your question or subtopic that you want to discuss, and then we'll just open it up to the rest of the floor to to kind of give their points as well. So, Max, yeah, we'll start with yours, which is how can people that are part of a privileged group work to learn to pick up the signs for when someone who might be outside of that privileged group isn't fully included? Yes, perfect. And, and my my thinking here, it's a it's a long and messy uh, question that I that I posed. But but my my main thinking here was that I think that a, a big reason to why uh, people that are part of pri privileged groups aren't actively working to to integrate people into the groups is is because they're somewhat blind to to the signals that they haven't learned to to pick up on on the signals that that are that are out there. And I I just wanted to to ask the the question straight out there, like what what are these people <laughs> missing and how can you learn to pick up on, on those signals? I definitely don't have the answer myself. I really want to invite here to a, to a discussion on, on this subject, so to speak, and, and uh, how you can work actively, actively with that and how to train people in, in, in this because, well, it's something that is super important. I think training is really hard in this respect. Um, I think some of them has to do with active listening and really your powers of like observation. Um, but I think like one area uh, that may be a little bit easier to pay attention to is like, it's the only one, the only one in the room that represents something. Um, and that can be a very, uh, I guess, um, quick identification for that, for you to maybe peek up and start paying attention um, to understand like, uh, are they are they participating? Are they contributing? Um, are people interrupting them? Um, are they being dismissed? Especially when it comes to active listening, I've been in situations where uh, someone from a, from a non-privileged group has an idea, and then the next person from the privileged group basically reiterates what they said, and everyone pays attention to that person. Um, and so being and then being able to call out, well, actually that person just said the same thing, or or acknowledging that. Um, but I think that's one area is the only one syndrome. And, and there have some, been some studies about how uh, women will end up quitting after a few years if they're the only one in the room. Uh, yeah, very, very interesting. And I, I was, uh, was thinking of another aspect uh, that I think also is that like it's about feeling like if you if you're and uh, like the the privileged group uh, it's hard for you to like feel how it is to be a minority and if you can't feel it uh, if you don't feel it yourself it's also i believe like less likely that you engage if you feel it yourself then you will like that will urge you to engage um and uh, so, and as well as like, if you then identify yourself with other peers and your peers, they don't feel it uh, like this uh, being a, a minority, you don't feel it, then none of you engage. And that will also like, like be less likely that you engage as a group to include. 
the the minority so those are some some aspects that i'm thinking as well yeah and i mean um i agree with what you said if i if i add something it's i mean the first step is just being aware of the fact that you have privileges and accepting that which which a lot of people don't do because it's uncomfortable we want to believe that we are like the good people so we can't do bad things um and just accepting that we have them and try to identify which ones we have because i mean we all do um i had a very strong epiphany moment once where i got really upset about the discussion about um uh i think it was heterosexual marriages and i was really upset with with the discussion and i felt but we are good people um and for some reason i just paused and thought this must be how it feels like when I discuss my angry feminist rants and you're a white man. Uh, so since then, that was kind of a wake up call for me. Uh, but I think like it's hard work. You need to start actively looking for signs uh, and asking people uh, in kind of comfortable situations and not perhaps in a big, big room um, and train yourself. I think that's the, the only only way to, to go forward. I, I agree, and I, I, it's interesting that we come back to this with with training because it's like I can I I agree that it's super hard to train. But I just recently heard about a company that did did uh, a training like this, which I thought like, wow, this was cool and must have been eye opening for some people because what they did was that they had like. Um, um they they were they were supposed to to act they were they were supposed to act that they were another person so you got some some demographics like you are for example a, a 40 year old male living with uh, your uh, boyfriend and your dog for example or you got like just some some backgrounds and then you were supposed to talk to each other and and so on and then everyone stood up on a line and then they uh uh, uh told some some uh, like um, uh, they they said some some things basically like I feel that I would be a hundred percent accepted member of the management team in this company, for example. Uh, and then they just came with different like hypotheses like like that. And then if you agree that I'm fully comfortable in this situation based on the character that I am, then I take take a step forward. So then you could see like after a while that some people had come much further than some other people just based on the characteristics and backgrounds that they were given and that was i know like from from people that, that was part of that 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 was really eye-opening that like wow okay um we are really not given the same chances or at least we're not comfortable uh, in all situations in in the same way and i think that was actually kind of a cool practice to really like just open up because you can see and touch how some people has come farther than than others. Um, so I'm I'm thinking of trying to steal that <laughs> and do something out of that. I, I really like that one. Yeah, I spoke with one leader recently and it seemed such like common sense, but like it occurred to him that really his experience is not everyone's experience. His path is not everyone's path. And sometimes you need to be reminded of that of that fact because it's very easy to be like well this happened for me so it should be easy for you without considering um what's happened and i think there's i think this plays more with 
junior colleagues to senior, but like a form of reverse mentoring. Um, and so I guess the more the traditional as a junior colleague will mentor someone more senior or someone in the, the leadership group. And the, there could be something here around that as well. Because um, uh, there's training, there's everything, but I think there's also the reinforcement and there are things you don't always pick, pick up on. Um, so I think that could be an interesting ways to do it. Nice, I think the, um, that, that example you said there, Max, really interesting to kind of hear that that's an activity that would make you kind of realize a bit more and open your eyes i think great initiative whoever it was that that did that um but no some good stuff there so we'll move on to to the next point which was from you lena on how do you know when it's best to impact by not taking up space and actually making space for others Uh, yes, so we talk a lot about uh, how can, like the, the norm group, how can we work with diversity? And if I, if I look at the, uh, the different initiatives I've been at different companies, it's always the same type of people in, in the room all the time. Uh, and we talk a lot about how can we do more, but I want to hear your uh, takes on when is it actually not the right thing for for the majority group or white males uh, to to kind of take up space in this area? And what can we do instead? Uh, I, I can share uh, like but so one one practice that we've done both on, uh, at Bonnier News now and as well as uh, we, we did the same uh, thing on uh, in NetLight some years ago was that we, we had a workshop where uh, we discussed uh, uh, gender diversity and in the room um, we put the timer on like three or four minutes so where we walked around the room I think we were like five or seven people in, in each uh, in each uh, group in this uh, practice so every person had three minutes to reflect on like how how do I relate to this topic? How, uh, why am I here today to discuss uh, diversity uh, or, or gender diversity? And so that that really everyone could speak out and uh, no one could interrupt during those three minutes. Um, and uh, that made, I mean, some are extremely extrovert and always talk and uh, some others are uh, like never speak out. So I think that was uh, very powerful and, uh, um, yeah, people were tempted to interrupt and step in, but they couldn't because they, they yeah, everyone was told to be, be quiet. So that, I think that was a very uh, nice, like, concrete thing. I would say that I think, um, I, I think sometimes there's not enough weight given to how you really facilitate a meeting even a small meeting, doesn't matter the size of it, and understanding the dynamic of the group. And how do you, if, if you have some talkers, some quiet, maybe maybe you have people, you, you, you tweak the exercises to get the most out of the people that are there. Um, and, even def and even defaulting to, if you're not sure of the dynamic of the group, assume that there are gonna be people who are talking more and others aren't. So how would you facilitate the whole session? How do you get the best ideas? How do you engage? Giving people time to write down, put up, discuss a number of things. There may be people who are just shy or more introvert. 
So thinking about, thinking through all the different techniques um, and, and even be willing to, to pivot how, how the conversation is going mid-meeting where um, I've been in some, uh, some rooms where it got heated and people were interrupting. So it was very clear that we immediately needed to move to like raise hands, like you raise your hand to prevent interruptions. Or if you feel like you have a huge, huge, huge issue, huge problem, how to make it more uh, like physically as opposed to verbally, uh, verbally known. Um, Cause then people were gonna take, be more conscious about uh, acknowledging who, who wants to speak and who, and um, who, who, uh, who may be interrupt, interrupted. So I think that's one, one way. I think in terms of best not to impact, it's understanding the power dynamic in the room, especially if you're a leader, people will tend to default to you and expect answers from you. Um, so maybe taking some pages of like lead from the back of the room and like dropping the question and kind of removing yourself from the circle in a way to allow the, the group to, to interact. But um, it can be very easy to just default to whoever's the, the leader. Yeah, I, th I think it's interesting. I, I, I was working very close to, to a colleague of mine at Nordic Entertainment Group, which where I were uh, before, um, before where I am now. And uh, th this colleague of mine, he was working as uh, head of diversity and inclusion with, uh, with us. And, and I actually asked him the exact same, same question. And it's, it's a real, real tricky one. Um, we, we ended up in having a discussion then rather about like, not, not how to stay quiet or when to take a step back, but rather how to use your language to show that you understand that, and that you're trying to take these uh, these things with inclusion and so on in, in, into consideration. For example, to never enter a room and say, hey guys, even though that's that's a thing, it's like, uh, that's the thing people say, it's it's better to say, hey peeps or hey folks, I mean, it's, it's much more including uh, to enter, like when presenting data, for example, about the uh, gender statistics, why always go with like 50-50 male, female, you just switch it around to show that you, you're making an effort to understand to like 50-50 uh, female, male, for example. So, so we ended up in a discussion around that, but I, I, I think this is a real, really tricky one. <laughs> I cannot really add anything on that topic. I just remember that this is where we ended up in that discussion. <laughs> so I think where this question came up in my mind was I, I do a lot of public speaking and, and the public speaking uh, community on Twitter is huge. So I see a lot of other uh, speakers right there. And one thing that I've noticed become more and more common is um, big names, uh, men who actively uh, step out of conferences they are invited to and instead send a bunch of names for uh, either bl black men or, or uh, women or other types of minority groups and say, I think you should invite these people instead because now we are a very uh, similar group and I don't want to be part of that. So um, that would be my, my add to the discussion here. And I, that's a very good uh, note, uh, Lena. And to add on that, uh, I really believe like uh, having having role models of uh, like where we we can identify with is super important. 
And with that, like, yeah, actually on a note that I will have later in this conversation, but I can add it already now, but that was that what I've seen over the, is often that like you, you want to bring forward then like you, for instance, female role models, but there is also risk that like when, that it creates a lot of work for those female role models. So, so this, with that, it's super important that then men in the organization support the female role models. So like, for instance, if you're gonna prepare for an event or if you like to, to in any way you, that you can help a role model that, so you bring the role model to front, but in the background that you have support from other parts, like parts of the organization or, or other people from the organization, to, to not like put all the burdens on those, like the, the minority uh, of like those role models that you want to have on stage. So I would say that's uh, yeah, one aspect of it. Perfect, I think there's, do you know what, just listening there, there's so many ideas kind of bouncing around. Um, so yeah, really kind of insightful as well um, on, on both of, both of those things so perfect and I mean it's good kind of segue there Andreas into into your um, topic which is more on sharing the actual practical tips exactly like you just did there um, on how to activate men in the organization to engage in diversity and inclusion um, so I know this is something quite big in, in your role so tell us more yes um, so this way we have done in, uh, in different uh through different initiatives uh, now uh, recently in in Bonnier news we had a um, one big event where we invited actually like all the men in the organization to uh, to workshop to uh, like where we emphasize that we want participation from all men in the organization and uh, we really um, that was quite a rigorous work like before inviting everyone so we had like we tracked all the the leaders in the organization so that they really uh, yeah emphasized that everyone needs to join this conversation and then we so like uh, that the prep before this event was quite a, a huge one uh, so that all leaders in the organization really understood that we need to to really engage all the men in our respective teams to join this and uh, and because what often happens is that like i mean i've been working now in tech for 15 years and it's always more more men in the organization but always more women when it comes to diversity work and it's not only when we're talking gender diversity but diversity in general all aspects of diversity there are more women than men engaged and we need to we need to engage as much all men all everyone in the organization we need to to really make a change on this so th that was like one of the topics that we really brought to the table in this conversation when we had invited all, all men to this and uh, where we also divided ourselves like so we had one part of the conversation where we had a big speech for um, talk with for everyone but we also there is a big importance of meeting in smaller constellations so you need to also like divide into groups of if, if it's like five or ten people where as I we were talking about earlier here that 
everyone gets to speak out. So if you all just have those big uh, uh, lectures where everyone's invited and you just listen and some will listen actively, but, but a lot of will also zoom out. So you need to also create those small spaces where everyone gets to, uh, to speak and, uh, and to share their thoughts. And um, so, and I mean, there can be, of course, raised questions in the organization, like, should we really have an event where we exclude all, like, all women, for instance, or should we have an event where we exclude all men and have a, a female network? And I, I believe that many things that we do in the organization, we need to, everyone needs to do it together, but there is also power of having some certain initiatives where which will both for men and for women many can people can feel that it you need a, a like a safe space and especially like for instance when you talk around uh, topics such as like uh, diversity and gender diversity and having like a, a small group of men uh, sitting down together and sharing like how do I see this topic? What, what responsibility do I have in this? And like really just lifting their thoughts around this. Uh, yeah, many men are also like afraid of saying like uh, something wrong or like, uh, like, and also like speaking out in general. So, so I think that uh, there is some power in that, which, uh, but that you cannot only have this kind of event, but have that as like one part of your, your, portfolio of events within diversity in the organization, I think can be really, really uh, powerful. And, and if you only then invite men to such an event, it cannot be that only women will show up because you really put the focus on like, hey, all men need to join this one. And um, so I think that was, um, that's been a really impactful and powerful thing that we did. And uh, when we started this event, we started with why. Why do you need to be here? And uh, and then we have like there are a lot of things you can say around like why, but we already discussed a lot of whys. So, but just having that question and answering that question. Uh, so, yeah, that that's been uh, very very powerful. And uh, yeah. So very curious to hear your thoughts on this. Have you done something similar in your organizations or any, any thoughts? I mean, I, I had some notes here and uh, making an, ex an expectation was one of, of the things I had written down. And the other one was um, being very explicit and public of the fact that the organization values this work. So um, praise people who do stuff publicly if they like public praise, uh, uh, reward them in different ways, whatever could be relevant, but like really, really um, show support when people do the things you want to see more of is, is uh, what I had work in the past. Yeah, I was reading about one company, um, I can't remember what it is for the life of me, maybe it'll come to me, um, but they did even tie uh, being like a diversity champion or participating in diversity and inclusion as part of the leader's um, performance and performance review. And it goes to like what you mentioned, expectations. And I think there's expectations um, and the value it brings the company. Um, and I feel like even just the showing of data, but that can be an, an important thing that's there. And um, 
I think Andreas, you touched upon something. It's a lot of show up to events, to conferences. Um, I've been to some diversity conferences and it's all women. And I'm like, you're kind of preaching to the choir a bit, uh, depending on what the topics were. Um, so, but I think that's important is just to show, be comfortable with being uncomfortable and showing up to these events, knowing you may be one of the only men in the room. And in some cases, there's a story where a friend of mine brought her manager and it was a room full of women and then him. And he was like, is this how you normally feel when you're the only woman in a group? And she's like, yep, that's it. I, I and I I circle back all the time to this uh, this colleague of mine that I that I had that I think really highly of I uh, I think he he was amazing in this and he he did this at at Nens Group he he actually had a lot of like educations and lectures on on like why why like why engaged in diversity from from the very beginning and and he usually ended up in the the, the power of diversity of thought basically that like the the demographics all the demographics themselves guides us towards the diversity of thought and how that in the long term creates better discussions take us longer uh make us create better stuff um, and, and and things like that so he was he was really really good in 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 speaking the the um, uh, the language of a business when integrating diversity and inclusion into the the actual goals themselves and i feel like just by having a person like that who wasn't like what to say he, he was so so calm and 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 um and uh, humble in in the fact that like this is something that that is not because we should but because there's so there's only things to gain from it uh, he uh, he he was really really good in in opening a lot of eyes I think because I I I realized the big shift when when we took it from the very beginning to start from scratch, scratch like really level with someone who hasn't heard about diversity before like why engage in it and then like build knowledge on that and on that and on that and I think that was a fantastic initiative by by Nen to really investing in that and taking everyone's time to do things like that and so on but I think that that like was the the um, the start of a lot of initiatives that then erupted from from uh, these lectures and stuff like that that he had. Um, so starting from the scratch was was my note on, on this. Yeah, and and, and Max, that was a very good uh, good point, uh, which um, because I wanted also to add that it's I I see there is a very big importance of having someone either within the organization and that that really knows those topics or if you if you feel that you need some external perspectives really that's a big um, you, you will win a lot from that so like um yeah that's, this seems to be a great person that you've been working with uh, around this uh, max and uh, for us we felt uh, like both at the uh, bonnie news and at um Netlight, where we also work with a very similar kind of concept, we we felt that uh, we have a lot of understanding and knowledge around this, but we still feel that we there is a big value of uh, investing in an external partner uh, in this. So uh, I would say that is uh, that's definitely so so worth the the investment, the the money to uh, um, to like to guide the 
to, to guide the workshop, to have a, a lecture with someone who's really an, an expert in the topic. And, uh, and in Stockholm, both at Netlight and at Bonny News, and we, we have engaged the, the organization MEN, which they are, they are focusing on this, um, on uh, really engaging men into the conversation around uh, diversity. So, uh, Brilliant. Um, I wanted to kind of add as, as a listener kind of hearing all of that, I think one of the key things there was was the why. And a lot of the time you want to make sure people understand why it's a good idea or why we're doing this, because I've often heard kind of having these diversity conversations that a lot of people will think of diversity of ticking off a box or hitting a number or hitting a target. So I think when you're talking about kind of how to actually do it, understanding why and helping people within your organization understand why seems like the best way to start so yeah i love that and finally tracy we've got your um your topic or kind of um sub question here on what's the difference between allyship and advocacy and what can dominant groups do to become better advocates for marginalized groups so yeah this one's a really interesting one tell us a little bit more about kind of the thought process behind it and everything like that yeah um and i guess there could even be a third one added which is activism uh on top on as as an additional one but i think um i was talking to a friend of mine and we uh how allyship and advocacy tend to be interchangeable and I would, I think even some of the definitions can be vague um, and uh, not clear or people have different definitions of what that can mean. Um, so I was just interested with this group, uh, what are your thoughts on that? And I think allyship uh, has gotten a lot of traction, good or bad, how impactful, questionable, we could probably have a whole one on how impactful it's been. Um, but I think really just talking about then how do we take it to the next step, which could be advocacy? And what does that look like? And what are some thoughts from the group um, and how I can maybe even take those uh, back with me to action upon them? Okay, so uh, it, it was a moment of silence, so I'm stepping <laughs> in here. Uh, because I think it ties in nicely to, to my question and, and my story about the, the uh, public speakers who, who's taken a step back. Um, I have not read all the definitions, but to me, allyship is more or can be more like silent support, while if you're an advocate, you need to actively openly loudly uh, sponsor someone so um yeah and i i think last time i was on this podcast i talked about mentorship and sponsorship and i think they are similar like uh, value pairs or or so so um advocacy would be actually identifying when you can help someone uh say their name give them opportunities um bring them into the room if they are not invited. And I agree your example about how he recommended other people to come to the conference is a really good example of, of that. Yeah, and I mean, uh, yeah, interesting uh, topic. And I had to think, think some, some seconds around this one, the, the definition. 
um, I was thinking um, that um, where was I thinking? I, there was a, I had this thought. It's, um, so yes, so so what I was gonna say is that like if you uh, if you don't, uh, I mean, you, you if you if you're an ally and you don't say anything, you you can still be like a part of the the problem or the like you like it's when when you really speak out and support that's something that when the big things happen like when that's like the engagement that's i, I guess I, I use the word engage instead of advocacy but i guess they're very close to each other uh so you can be a, a silent ally but you when you're an advocate that's when you when you engage and uh, yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, I agree. I don't have any different <laughs> views on it. I share both Lena's and Andrea's views. Yeah, and I agree. Like engage, sponsorship, all of all of those things are good. Um, I think in some cases they talk about allyship as uh, symptoms versus advocacy can be root cause. Um, but I think there is different different scales on that. Um, and in some cases they talk about allyship being a bit more passive as well. Um, but yeah, it could be, I think advocacy could be for smaller groups for you hear an opportunity. And so you put someone's name forward, you're recommending them, giving them that opportunity or hearing, um, advocating for changes in how we do hiring. Cause I think there's a lot of unconscious bias when it comes to hiring. And so being vocal and, and, and coming up with solutions and advocating for change with like one company I know like takes the names off the resumes. So you can't use that as an example uh, to make any um, any biases off of that. Uh, there are different, more kind of systematic root causes that can be addressed. Um, I was actually thinking of uh, one other aspect of uh, mm -hmm. engaging and uh, being an advocate. It's also like that I'd see that it's important that there is a space in the organization to engage and to be an advocate without having such much like so much competence within the topic if we're talking diversity and inclusion you can engage you can be an advocate even though you haven't got much experience in the topic and that there is like a What's it in English? But like the the there's a high high ceiling that that's like it's okay to to engage without knowing so much. You will learn along the way when you engage when you interact around those things, and uh, to have, like build a culture in the organization where where everyone is like really welcome to speak out, out around this and to engage, and you will learn along the way. Yeah. And maybe another angle to look at it is uh, you can be an ally without risking so much. But when you're an advocate, you're using your own like social currency uh, to to give to someone else. And if you move into activism, uh, that's even more. Yeah, I think you, you guys definitely you all sorry not to say you guys we talked about that didn't we? <laughs> it's such an it's just a, such a common thing to do, um. But yeah, there was some really I I like that um the definitions and it's kind of hard to get your head around exactly the difference between allyship advocacy kind of what the risks are how you do that and 
and what actually is the difference. So I think that's definitely really thought provoking there, Tracy. Um, so you know, thank you for bringing it up. It's definitely something we can all uh, take on with us. Um, but yeah, any final comments or questions? Because I know we kind of covered everyone's, but does anyone have any final points to add about anything really? This is not unrelated, but another question. I'm, I'm just interested in hearing, are you at the companies you're at, or do you have any experience of working with like KPIs within diversity and inclusion? I have around hiring. Um, I would call out one of the challenges there was that the hirings performance KPIs can some can a lot of times conflict with diversity KPIs. So um, speed like number of sources, uh, speed to hire uh, is usually a lot especially in tech means that you're not necessarily going after the diverse candidate. And so that's something that was quickly um, um, uh, identified and had to be worked through that the recruiters needed different KPIs on their performance in order to not conflict with the diversity KPIs around hiring. If that's what you're um, looking for. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's interesting because I've encountered the same that like when you all of a sudden engage, like when you add um, um, KPIs in, in recruitments that you're supposed to hire 50-50 female, male, for example, then all of a sudden, like, let's say you're hiring within tech and, and the actual market itself is like 80-20, like, okay, how do you do that in a non-excluding process then? I mean, we, we start fiddling around in some, some spaces there where it's like hard to be completely including, right? Uh, and, and, and then, um, yeah, I was just interested in hearing like experience thoughts on, on, on this, if there was, I mean, I'm thinking Andreas, for example, I know you've been, <laughs> been there out there in the recruitment landscape for quite a while. I mean, have you encountered something similar yourself as well or? Yes, uh, very interesting topic. Uh, I think for like when we've been working with this and uh, a, a similar kind of KPIs, we, I mean, uh, having an ambition of 50-50 uh, in tech is uh, super challenging, uh, but like at least have an ambition of being more equal uh, and um, and also really talking explicitly in the organization that like if we want to transfer towards a, a more a diverse uh, environment uh, we need to invest in it like so, so if you just like put that kpi without talking about like we need to invest time and money into this then you can't it won't take you any further it will just take it to a, in my experience it will just like take it to a direction where like there will be a disappointment in the organization that like hey why are we like recruiting less people but yeah we're recruiting a bit better when it comes to diversity but but we're still like we're suddenly we're recruiting less people so you need to like always talk around that it will maybe impact the pace of how many people you hire but like you need to think really long term around this and you cannot do it without investing in it so uh, one thing i would bring but i mean there there are women out there i'm i'm 
in charge of a channel of thousands of female developers. Um, I think sometimes our um, view of the perfect candidates uh, is putting a big uh, blocker in our processes. Uh, we did an internship this summer where six out of nine of the developer interns were, were women, and that's not because they were women, it's because they scored the best. I like that. I think um, a topic that, that kind of comes to mind when we're thinking about this is is kind of skills versus diversity kind of I imagine that that you all know and especially kind of, of Lena and Tracy being in a position where you're the engineering manager or the hiring manager do you hold out for kind of skills and prioritize that or do you want to bring diversity of thought and diversity within a different profile um I think it's definitely a tough call to make and it's it's an interesting one um, so yeah, it's. It, I don't think we're going to ever have the the answers like you said at the beginning of this, Max. There's no kind of a fix for some of these problems within diversity. Um, but I also think it's nice to have these conversations and kind of bring them up and and share ideas and share opinions as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you all for that so far. Um, anybody else got anything to add? Any last comments? We're kind of reaching the hour mark, but of course, still a little time for anything else. I can uh, add one one more thing uh, is uh, like right now at Bonnie News we have an uh, um, we 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 have an initiative when it comes to like hidden hidden uh, neuropsychological um, uh, disabilities and that's like there are many many different chains that are covered under under this topic it can be H, uh, HD. Uh, ADHD, for instance, and uh, dyslexia. I don't know if it's mm. in English as well. Dyslexia. <laughs> like uh, so, there are a lot of uh, those hidden um, hidden factors that we we need to learn more about. And uh, I think that it's uh, very common that we in organizations we uh, we, we talk around uh, often around like diversity when it comes to men and women and uh, and cultures but also like uh, putting uh, also an emphasis on uh, on those like hidden uh, uh, hidden hidden uh, like things that uh, i think are very valuable for us and there's quite a large portion of the population that has some kind of uh, uh, like the uh, like hidden psychological like this uh, dysfunction I, I don't know the the, the word in english now we, we talk around this in swedish uh, in the organization but uh, but so so i think that is uh, something to look into as well uh, uh, there's somewhere around like 10 to 15 percent in the swedish society that has some kind of uh, like that's dyslexia or adhd or and like those uh, um those uh, yeah those kind of uh, uh, dysfunctions or yeah where uh, well, I think that's something that if we know how to how can we work together on this from everything from recruitment to the inclusion in the organization I think we, we win a lot in the organization and we see each other from uh, new perspectives and uh, yeah yeah uh, I like that Andres I think it's quite uh, an interesting one because um 
like you say, they're hidden and it's how do you kind of identify them? How do you know? Because it's not it's not an obvious um, kind of trait. So, yeah, I think that's definitely um, an area that a lot of people could explore as well. I like that. And, and you know, I've never thought about it. I've genuinely never thought about things like that. Um, but no, it sounds interesting. Mm. And that's a ter- perfect topic where you actually bring in an external expert, I would say. Because mm-hmm. uh, for me, I, I, as I, I didn't even know the word in English now for this. I, I, we, we talked about it in Swedish, but I mean, there's so much to learn. I, I need to learn a lot around this. We all do. And I think that we're looking forward to this. So we're going to have a, one a big lecture in the whole organization. And then we're also going to combine that with a workshop for all managers in the organization to dive into the topic and to understand like how how can I support the team and if we have a team member who has needs a specific support how can I work with this so uh, yeah yeah it's interesting people's updated I'm excited to see how that yeah. goes and kind of pans out <laughs> yes I'm sure everyone else is um perfect but yeah thank you all again um we'll kind of wrap it up there because we're approaching approaching time but just wanted to say thank you um massively to lena max andreas and tracy i think we've definitely got some good insights into this topic and obviously thank you to everyone else who's also listening 